Welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. We're going to go on into part one of our study on the church at Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. chapter 3 we'll be talking about the church at Laodicea and there is so much here that can be said there's no way I'm going to be able to get it all in tonight so we'll have to pick it up next week where we leave off tonight but in Revelation chapter 3 if you will move down to verse 14 Revelation 3 and 14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The city of Laodicea is about 40 miles east and inland from Ephesus. It was a place of great wealth, and many believe that They gained that great wealth because of a medical school that they had there in the area. They took clay from one of the mountains and mixed it with a spikenard and made an eye salve type of ointment. And they said it cured eye problems and whatever the case. And this eye salve was shipped out all over the Roman Empire. And recent chemical analysis from the soil in that area has proven that there wasn't anything in the soil that had any kind of healing virtue at all, but yet they sold a lot of it and it went all over the Roman Empire. Uh, somebody made a whole lot of money out of it. And uh, I just wonder today how many medicines and things that we take that we pay a whole lot of money for and we think it's doing something for us. But when you get right down to it, it ain't really doing a whole lot for you. It's taking money out of your pocketbook. This has been going on for a long time. It goes all the way back to this time here. But at any rate, Laodicea was also a place of Greek culture, literature, and science. There was a church located here at Ephesus. And it's also the last church that Jesus spoke to there in the third chapter of the book of Revelation. He addressed seven churches all together. And this is the last church that Jesus spoke about. And 
as I've stated before, if you look back in church history, you can see where the things that Jesus said about this church pertains to this particular period of time and so on and so forth. When we get to the last church, the church at Laodicea, Jesus is speaking of the day and age in which we now live. When did the Laodicean church period begin? We really don't know. There's all kinds of speculation on it. But I believe that Jesus gives us a hint here in the 14th verse. He said, I am the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Let me deal with that first of all. A witness is a person that bears testimony of events and things that he has witnessed or seen or experienced. You know, in a court of law, they will call forth a witness to bear testimony of what they've seen. And Jesus is the faithful and true witness. So whatever testimony he bears, you can bank on it. He's going to be faithful to tell the truth. So what he's going to say is going to be the truth. But now the people in this church said one thing. Jesus said, I beg your pardon. It's not that way. It's actually this way. But you can believe what the Lord says is true. When you get right down to it, that's all that's really going to matter. When you stand before God, you can say this and that, but God knows. And what he says, he'll have the final say. He said, I am the beginning of the creation of God. Now that's your key. Back in 1859, a man by the name of Charles Darwin published his theory on evolution in a book called The Origin of Species. By 1872, he published two more books devoted to animal emotions and psychology. Modern-day psychology stemmed from all of this. Now, the reason I mentioned that and said that is for this reason. Before I became your pastor here at Friendship, I had the privilege of going to several other churches and ministering there for a little while. And one of the questions they asked me was, did I have any training in psychology? They would not hire me to be their pastor because I did not have a doctorate in psychology. But that church just represents one of the multiple thousands of churches across America today that they do not care what your knowledge of the Word of God is. They want you to have a doctorate in man's wisdom. Philosophy, 
They want you to know about that. They extol that more than they do the Bible, the Word of God. And when the church began to embrace humanistic psychology, and the church began to look at that more than the Word of God, whatever time that was between the time that Darwin wrote his book, Origin of Species, in 1859, and then shortly after that is two books on psychology. Whenever the church began to embrace psychology, that is when I believe the Laodicean church period began. You see, what you have here is a mixture Most of what you will see today when you go in the Bible and bookstore, most of what you will find on the shelf is laced with psychology. Most of what is coming over radio and television today as it pertains to gospel, the messages are laced with psychology. The message falls in one or two categories. It's either relational psychology, how you relate to other people, how you relate to your husband, how you relate to your wife, how you relate to other people on the job, your kids, that sort of thing, relational psychology. And then you have motivational psychology. You've got what it takes inside of you to... Get yourself out of whatever problem it is that you're involved in. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Motivational psychology. It is mixed with a few scriptures and it sounds religious. But how much rat poison do you want me to mix in with your bowl of soup? How much of it will it take before it kills you? Jesus said, Revelation 3.15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. The temperature of the church will depend upon the temperature behind the pulpit. Let me say that again. The temperature out there in the church pew is dependent upon the temperature that is behind the pulpit. Now let me explain that. I'm not talking about the way in which a message is delivered. I'm not talking about that at all. Some people have the idea that if the preacher don't run up and down and stomp and hoop and holler and all this kind of stuff, then he ain't on fire for God. That's the mindset of a lot of people. I'm not talking about a minister's style or his deliverance of a message, but I'm talking about the quality of the message. What is it that the preacher is trying to get across to you? I know I heard a preacher in a revival. It's been some years ago. 
Boy, he could really shell down the corn. He could really just bear right down on it and plow the gospel plow, so to speak. And he really knew how to get the crowd going and even had them standing up and clapping and all of this. And when the service was over, the pastor of the church stood up and said, We've heard enough gospel tonight to circle the world ten times. I sat there and I shook my head. Not one time did that preacher mention sin. Not one time did that preacher mention Jesus Christ. Not one time did the preacher mention Jesus dying on a cross to save mankind. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something tonight. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that's the gospel. And if the preacher ain't preaching that, oh, he might be doing a bunch of stomping around. But he ain't saying a whole lot. He stood up there and preached for an hour. And the people stood out there and clapped and all of this. But he didn't say nothing. Now he said some things that were true. He told me that if I went out here and bought a six pack and drunk it, I was going to get drunk. And if I tried to drive after that, I might run off the road and hurt somebody. That was true. But that won't the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is the truth that I'm talking about. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the content of the message that we need to be looking at. The message needs to be based solely upon the word of God. Now... That which says too much really says nothing at all because a lot of what you hear, the preacher's going to throw out some scriptures. He's going to base what he's saying off of scripture. So let me just narrow this down so that you'll understand where I'm coming from and know what I'm talking about. The story of the Bible is the creation of man, the fall of man, And the redemption of man. In the first two chapters of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapters 1 and 2. We have the creation of the world and the creation of man. In Genesis chapter 3 we have the fall of mankind. From Genesis chapter 4 all the way throughout to the end to Revelation chapter 22, every single bit of it pertains to man's redemption. How Jesus would come into this world and redeem mankind. Now you do the math. That much of the Bible is given over to our redemption. That should tell you something. That should tell you right there that whatever message comes from behind the pulpit should have its foundation in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if it's not based on that, then whatever else it is based on, it is lukewarm. It is a mixture of worldly wisdom, psychology, That which is cold. 
and that which is hot. You've got this incredible mixture today that is coming from behind the pulpit. And if it's lukewarm there, then it'll be lukewarm there. How hot is your church? It's going to depend on how hot your preacher is. And the preacher can stand there behind the pulpit and read it right off a piece of paper. He can walk up and down like I do. He can hoop and holler and all of that. But let's not get caught up in the preacher's delivery and his style and his personality that we miss what is being said. We need to take a look at the content of what is being said. That is the heat. That's where you tell what the temperature is. If it's based on anything else other than the finished work of Christ, that message is lukewarm, or either it is cold. Jesus said in verse 15, the latter part of that verse, He said, I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The temperature of the church is lukewarm because the message that is preached is lukewarm. It is a mixture of that which is worldly, man's wisdom and psychology, mixed with some scripture. And it's lukewarm. Jesus said, I wish that you were either cold or hot. Be one or the other. It's better to be all one way or the other rather than to be in the middle. When you have a mixture of worldliness in the church, like the seeker-sensitive movement of today, it sets a bad example of what church ought to be. When the world out there looks at the church, and they see them all sitting in there with cups, And eating chips and popcorn while the preacher's preaching, that's not a very good example of what church ought to be. People are going to these types of churches. They're never taught to repent of their sins and accept Jesus as their Savior. Yet they leave the church feeling good about themselves because the message was motivational. You're okay and I'm okay. Smile. It increases your face value. You leave the church feeling good, but you haven't dealt with your sin. And the Lord is not too pleased with it. It puts a bad taste in his mouth. And he said, I will spew thee out. Of my mouth. It's not pleasing to the Lord. In essence, what the Lord is saying, you make me sick. You make me want to throw up. And when you look at what's going on in a lot of the churches today, it makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me want to throw up to see what's going on in the churches today. There's a perfect opportunity. To deal with man's problem of sin and to present the answer, which is Jesus Christ. But instead, we're telling people how to get rich. And how to have a happy home. And you're okay and I'm okay and we just need to love everybody and all this kind of stuff. 
The Lord said, you make me sick. When he said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth, it refers to missing the rapture. Take a look, if you will, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to show you a passage of scripture here that I think falls in line with what we're saying. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Move down, if you will, to verse 14. It'll be a familiar passage of scripture to most of you. The Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or the devil? Or what hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell with them and walk in them. And will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. If you want to be accepted of the Lord, you're going to have to live a life of separation. When the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and life, He will start to point out things that is not conducive to being a Christian. He's going to tell you to leave certain types of music alone. He's going to tell you that certain television programs is not appropriate for you to be watching. He's going to clean you up. That is the separation, the sanctification process of the believer. If you do not listen to what the Spirit is saying, and put into practice what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you, then you will be influenced by the cool, by the cold of these things. You will become lukewarm in your faith toward God, and you're going to wind up missing the rapture. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. If you don't listen... You're going to become lukewarm, and you're going to miss it. Now, what I'm telling you tonight is not a popular message. A lot of preachers won't preach it. You know why they won't preach it? Because it won't bring people into the church. And when you don't have people coming into the church, guess what else you don't have coming into the church? Money. There you go. You got people? You got money. You ain't got no people. Guess what? You ain't got no money. So the two are kind of together on that. Jesus said, You say you are rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. The church today has become very numbers conscious. We seem to have the idea that Riches equals God's approval. 
We see this family over here that's doing well. They've got a brand new car. They've got a brand new house. They've got this. They've got that. We look at that and we say, oh, well, they must be doing something right. We look at the big mega church up the road. They've got hundreds of cars in the parking lot every week. And you ride by and you're like, oh, my mercy. We need to be doing that over there at Friendship. They must be doing something right. That's not necessarily the case. Just because the numbers is there and it looks good in the natural, that don't mean that God's approving of what's going on. Jesus said, you say you are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Jesus bears a true testimony and he says, you know not. The reason they don't know is because the preacher won't tell them. He's too scared he might offend somebody. Well, let me tell you something, folks. I'm going to tell you what this book says, whether you like it or not. And if you've got a problem with what I say, you take it up with the boss. If it don't line up with this book, then you take me off to the side. But if you get mad because of something I say, it's going to line up with this book. You take it up with him. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children now this of which i'm about to say it's almost as if though the lord looked down through church history and saw this age in which we're now living he told this church in verse 17 he said thou art wretched Thou art wretched. Let me read to you the definition of the word. Deeply afflicted, dejected, or distressed in body and mind. Being or appearing to be mean. And then they use the word in a sentence. Dressed in wretched old clothes. Dressed in wretched old clothes. The seeker-sensitive churches today and the books that you can go to the Bible and bookstores that promote church growth, they are telling us today, don't wear your best to church Because not everybody can afford to wear a suit of clothes. If you walk in with a suit of clothes on, then that person which is less fortunate, it's going to make them feel bad. And we don't want to offend anybody and we don't want to make anybody feel bad. So we need to encourage everybody to to dress down. Come to church with flip-flops, shorts, and a t-shirt, and a ball cap on. There's nothing wrong with that. 
the preacher is being told to preach sermons which better relate to the young people. And if the preacher dresses down like the young people with his jeans all down around his waist, oh, well, the young people can relate to that and they'll be more acceptable to the message. Jesus said, you are wretched. My brother had to go to court. He was called on to be one of the jurors, juror duty. And a young man walked in there with his shirt tail all flopped out. And and the judge pointed him out and said, young man, come here. Don't you ever come back in my courtroom dressed in such a fashion. You go back out and you get that shirt tail in them breeches. When you come in here, you're going to dress and look decent. And I believe that when you come to God's house, you need to come dressed in the best you got. Because you're coming into the presence of God. If you were to go and meet the President of the United States, you would want to wear the best you've got. And that's the way it is with God. When you come to God's house, you put on the best you got. Not that you're showing off. Or trying to look better than anybody else. But you're there to worship God. And you need to put your best foot forward. Now if that's all you've got. Then that's all you've got. But put your best foot forward. Alright. Jesus also said. He said you're miserable. He told the people in that church. He said you're miserable. You're unhappy. Here just a few weeks ago when all that icing mess come in here. Schools were shut down for a couple of days. Kids were miserable. They couldn't go outside because there won't no snow. It was all ice and sleet. They had to sit in the house. They were miserable because they didn't have anything to entertain them. And the church today has promoted entertainment. To try to get people in. It's become entertainment today. Like I said, it's almost as if though Jesus looked down through time and he's pinpointing it out, the things that are going on in the churches today. He said, you are poor. They were rich as it pertains to materialistic things. But they were poor as it pertains to spiritual things. Why? Because what's coming from behind the pulpit. Jesus said also there, he said, you are naked. Due to the lukewarm teaching and preaching coming from behind the pulpit, these people were never told to repent of their sin and accept Jesus as their Savior. Therefore, the blood does not cover their sin, so they're naked and they're open to the judgment of God. He said, you are naked. But thank God, Jesus gives us the answer for this dilemma that the church finds itself in today. You can find it in verse 18, but we're going to stop right there tonight and we'll deal with the solution to the problem next week.
If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.